I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. Hello, this is Tristan. Charlotte and Madeline. You're listening to the best podcast in the entire universe. The, the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. A very special welcome to Tristan and his lovely kids, Charlotte and Madeline there, uh, that you heard in our intro. They are from the land down under. So hello to Tristan, Charlotte and Madeline and to all our listeners in the land down under and and the world over. If you'd like to introduce an episode of the Tennis Podcast, you can either by becoming a friend of the pod at intro level or upgrading if you're already a friend. Thank you to everyone who is a friend. There are tons of bonus excellent podcasts available to you already with lots more to come. Um, The link to do so is in our show notes. This, though, is going to be our weekly podcast covering all things tennis news and results. Now, obviously, those things at the moment vary from the tremendously depressing and troubling to luckily the odd sort of glimmer of light and um, uplifting news story and result and all those sorts of things. So, look, we'll cover all of it. Um, Some of it will be tough. That's just the way the world is at the moment. But we're going to start, I think, with with tennis. We're going to start with the tennis this time, folks. Um, And we're going to start with the two WTA tournaments that we've had this week. The two Hologic, have I said that right, folks? I don't think I have. That was my debut saying saying Hologic, and I think I said it wrong. It's the new name for the WTA Tour. They have a brand new title sponsor. So we're going to start with our two Hologic WTA Tour events that we've had this week. And our winners, Zhang Shui and Leila Fernandez, can we just row back David and Matt and have a review of my pronunciation of Hologic? Well, well, the beauty is by getting it so wrong initially, you've now got it right, and we've we've all, you know, we've accepted that that mm. there's a right way and a wrong way, and now you're doing it the right way. So it's Hologic. Uh, it was the fir- it was the first time I live alone, so it was the first time I'd said it out loud. We'd said it lots of times <laughs> in WhatsApps, hadn't we? I'd read it in the agenda. I've read lots of articles about it, but you know, you don't know what's going to come out of your mouth until you actually say it. Um, that's that's what happened just then. Anyway, if I correct to Hologic, am I right? Am I right? just about right there, Matt? I think so. Yes, David sent me a video of someone from. Hologic, I think, pronouncing it. So we're on safe ground, I think, with that pronunciation. Great. And it's it's important we do get it right because this is just it's just brilliant news for well for women's tennis and for tennis, quite frankly. This was broken by Chris Clary in an exclusive with the New York Times this week. Brand new title sponsor for the WTA2. Hologic is a global leader in women's health and medical technology. It's a multi-year alliance, uh, the largest global sponsorship in WTA history. WTA president Mickey Lawler also said it is their most important uh, sponsor in uh, in their history. She said, uh, as well as insulating the WTA financially at a time when they've taken their business out of China, this deal will allow them to boost pr- prize money and get a lot closer 
to equality on that front with the men. Um, and it's understood that the WTA stance on Peng Shui and tournaments in China was the catalyst for this partnership. So it's it's really nice that um, principles can pay sometimes because it's so often presented and is in reality a binary choice between taking the moral high ground or giving into commercial concerns. Um, and, you know, I've always got Billie Jean King in my mind, follow the money, follow the money. You know, you, it's, it's very hard to do what's right if it doesn't also pay, you know, because that is the world that we live in. By and large, this is a, a capitalist society. So, so for for doing the right thing and for taking a stance on something to also be commercially beneficial it's almost a it's a relief as much as anything else enormously so it's a, it's ended up being a win-win because it felt to us like Steve Simon was just doing the right thing in terms of human behavior in rejecting China if they weren't going to provide the assurances that he felt were needed around Peng Shui's disappearance and her and her whereabouts and and whether she was being controlled and coerced at all and at the same time that was always going to be a huge risk because you don't know when you're that far in with China commercially whether the the tour is going to be sustainable certainly in in a way that the tour has has been in the past and wants to be in the future and this is just a total win-win because they've they've found a sponsor that feels completely aligned with with what they are and who they are who is supporting them and apparently the 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 deal was started from a conversation with Coco Vanderway's boyfriend and the the head of Hologic on the golf course they're having a round of golf and talking about this news story around Peng Shui and and the head of Hologic just said I want to know more about the WTA and I want to know I want to be involved with them and I want to back them based on this story and obviously then conversations ensued and, and here we are um, and it just it, it's something that Steve Simon alluded to at the time that he felt that values and principles could pay and should pay in this world and there's, there's too few examples of that but at a time when nobody else would have seemed to want to step up like this and stand up for 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 what the tour would have believed in or other sports would have believed in and to just take the risk of that hit to come out with a new partner like this i mean they haven't had a partner for 12 years at title sponsor level last one was sony ericsson and that was a big deal back then i remember when sony ericsson pulled out and how worrying that was for the wta circuit and here they are with a, a partner that is financially worth more and you've got all the players. I, I don't see this doesn't happen on the ATP circuit when a sponsor signs up to support the tour. That all the players say, "Great news! This is huge." But that's what we're getting right now. We're getting all the big name players coming out and and lauding this deal, and they feel like they're all in it together. And in the long run, I reckon that the the WTA tour will will be a stronger force and product as a result of what's happened here. Mm, very, very well said. And um, look, it's it's an it's an increasingly important message, isn't it? That um, that it's possible for, to to stand up for something without sacrificing, you know, business concerns or all the rest of it. So um, yeah, it's brilliant news. Um, not that the situation with, you know, I, I feel I feel slightly odd talking about the Peng Shui situation in the past tense. It is by no means resolved. It's just. It's just a situation, isn't it, on which there is is no movement um, at the moment, and uh, it remains a concern, along with many many other concerns in the tennis world uh, at the moment. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about Leila Fernandez and uh, her title in Monterey. Um, she has now reached, I think, four WTA Tour finals. Holojic, no, I've said it wrong again. I panicked. I panicked, folks. It's like Casacina, isn't it? I always get that one wrong. And apparently even when I started getting it right, I was told that my rightness was wrong. Leila Fernandez, Matt, (laughs) has reached four Hologic WTA Tour finals. Uh, And three of those are in Mexico. And of course, the the one outstanding is the US Open final of last year, where she lost out to to Emma Raducanu. But she 
plays so well in Mexico. She had to save five match points in order to meet Camilla Osorio in the final yesterday. She also had to deal with uh, a break of several minutes due to a lighting failure before coming out to serve and save the fifth of those match points. She is hard as nails, Leila Fernandez, And she's, you know, I, I remember that um, Pam Shriver tweet uh, that I think I read out on the podcast at the time from Indian Wells late last year saying Leila Fernandez is just, um, she's just the best ticket in tennis at the moment. You're just guaranteed a thrilling match. I think the only straight set match I've ever watched her play was the loss to Emma Raducanu in the US Open final. She's just and that was a corker. Gu- yeah, yeah, she's just guaranteed to produce something something box office, isn't she? Yeah, she is because she won this match in a deciding set tiebreak in the end. It wasn't even her only deciding set tiebreak win of the week. She had another one of those I think in in the second round. Um I woke up in the middle of the night and put this match on and uh, saw that it was deep in a third set and I thought well Fernandez has got Osorio right where she wants her then hasn't she because this is <laughs> this is Fernandez's thing I am going to back Fernandez in this situation and Osorio played extremely well did get to f- five match points in the end as you said and that moment where the electrical failure happened it, it happened at deuce during the point at deuce at five six Fernandez serving in that final set and they carried on the point and Osorio won it. And Fernandez went over to the chair, I, I believe, to ask for a let. And I thought that was very legitimate. I really thought there should have been a let during that point. It, it was quite clear that the lights went down and some of the um, electronics just went off during the point. It was it was a big distraction, I think, especially for Fernandez, because it happened just as she was about to hit a volley. Anyway, this break then ensued of 10, 15 minutes. And I just thought... Fernandez's body language throughout that break was was fascinating and sort of said everything about how mentally strong she is. She took a ball and she just sort of bounced it for 10 minutes consecutively, just staying in the zone, staying focused. And then she came out and had to serve match point down after 15 minutes, found the first serve, saved the match point, came through the game with some brilliant shots and, and, and won the tie break pretty easily in the end and it and it really was just a a demonstration of how mentally strong she is and tough to put away because Osorio pretty much came came out with her best tennis and Fernandez stood firm and and got the win it was it was pretty it was pretty special pretty incredible atmosphere and the whole thing was was a great watch it was their first meeting on the Hologic WTA tour, um, but they've uh, they've played loads in juniors, haven't they? I mean, both of them are, are still pretty young. I mean, look, we we know about Leila Fernandez because because of the U.S. Open final last year, and and she won junior Grand Slam titles. She was a little bit more more on our radar even before that, and and has had more sort of big headline moments in tennis in terms of their respective potentials Camilla Osorio isn't somebody that we necessarily talk about in that little you know group of players of that age is she is she worthy of being being talked about in those terms what what is her potential I think it's hard to say but definitely worthy because I think the thing about her is she made her breakthrough I believe as a wild card in Bogota last year, winning it when she was ranked, I don't know, about 180 mm. in the world, something like I, that. I hadn't heard of her before that week, I have to say. Same. That was my that was my introduction to her. And I think when something like that happens, you can go one of two ways. You can get really, really excited about them or you can think maybe it's a little bit of a fluke and what's going to happen next. I remember on the ATP tour, a similar sort of time, um, one of the Sarundolo brothers won a title in similar circumstances, came from nowhere, and he's not really kicked on. But Osorio really, really has. I think this was this was her third WTA final overall, and I saw her play Naomi Osaka in the first round of the Australian Open this year, and it was a pretty straightforward win for Osaka, I think 6-3, 6-3, something like that. But I sort of came out from that match more interested in... 
Osorio than I had gone into the match being because she really showed me something. I, th- I thought she lacked a bit of power compared to Osaka, but, you know, who doesn't? But I've, I've, I was viewing that match through an Osaka lens. It was our first time seeing Osaka for a while. And yet I came away from it with memories of how good Osorio was and how many points she played. And I think to do that in the first round of a slam against a big name like Osaka takes takes something a bit special, takes something pretty significant that Osorio had done and I like her game I like the way she competes and yeah she is part of a group now of lots of WTA players not even 21 yet Sviontek, Fernandez, Raducanu, Goff, Anisimova, Osorio they're all in the top 50 and it's it's a great great group of players and I think yeah she does she does belong part of them because she's doing it consistently on on the Hologic WTA tour. I like the way she celebrates. I, I have to say, I, I I didn't watch that match because my bedtime's at 10 p.m. these days, and uh, you two uh, were were messaging one another. I woke to 59 updates uh, this morning uh, about that match, and it, it sounded fantastic. But what I have done is watched some of her match points and the closing stages of her matches this week, and she's she's one of those players that draws you in as a, a spectator because kind of Del Potro like she makes you understand how much it means to her she a, a little bit as well like Hans Jabeur you know that sort of player that it's everything and it's feels a little bit out of the blue and she can't quite believe that it's happening is the way she makes you feel as a spectator and um, I hope there's more of her success in the future because that kind of connection is is what takes sport watching to another level mm, yeah she um she produced an incredible performance to beat Alina Svitolina in the quarterfinals. That one was 7-6 in the third. Showed all of her... You mentioned what a great competitor she is. I mean, that is increasingly one of my, you know, favourite features in a player. Intensity, you know, tooth and nail competitiveness. Um, and she really had to show that to beat beat Svitolina in that match, who was... Who, like Dani Estremska in Lyon, who we'll talk about in a moment, was was playing for something more than herself um, and was was very much em- embracing that in Monterey this week. And on on Monday of last week, at the start of the tournament, she posted a very powerful statement um, asking for a clear position uh, from tennis's governing bodies, the ATP, WTA and ITF. She said, we Ukrainian players requested have requested to the ATP, WTA and ITF to follow the recommendations of the International Olympic Committee to accept Russian or Belarusian nationals only as neutral athletes without displaying any national symbols, colours, flags or anthems. Accordingly, I want to announce that I will not play tomorrow in Mont- Monterey or any other match against Russian or Belarusian tennis players until our organi- organisations take this necessary decision. I do not blame any of the Russian athletes. They are not responsible for the invasion of our motherland. Moreover, I wish to pay tribute to all the players, especially Russians and Belarusians, who bravely stated their position against the war. Their support is essential. Um, and there have been more of those this week who have done just that. Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova um, has spoken out quite strongly. Victoria Azarenka as well, of course, Belarusian athlete. Um, that came in advance of Svitolina's scheduled opening match in Monterey against the Russian Anastasia Potapova, which she did end up playing, and that was because Svitolina's statement was very quickly followed by uh, a joint statement. Stop the presses, folks. Tennis made a joint decision. All of tennis, ATP, WTA, ITF, and four of the four Grand Slams, it literally only took the potential outbreak of World War Three for them to do that. They have uh, said a deep sense of... Um, Distress, shock and sadness has been felt across the entire tennis community following Russia's invasion of Ukraine in the past week. Our thoughts are with the people of Ukraine and we commend the many tennis players who have spoken out and taken action against this unacceptable act of aggression. We echo their calls for the violence to end and peace to return. The safety of the tennis community is our most immediate collective priority. Um... And they announced that they stand united in their condemnation of Russia's actions and as a result are in agreement with the following decisions and actions. WTA and ATP boards have made the decision to suspend the WTA and ATP combined events scheduled this October in Moscow. 
The ITF board has made the decision to suspend the Russian Tennis Federation and Belarus Tennis Federation membership and to withdraw their entire uh, their entries from all ITF international team competition until further notice. Bear in mind here that Russia are the reigning Davis and Billie Jean King Cup champions. Um, and they say this action follows the cancellation of all ITF tournaments in Russia and Belarus indefinitely. At this time, they say players from Russia and Belarus will continue to be allowed to compete in international tennis events on tour and at the Grand Slams. However, they will not compete under the name or flag of Russia or Belarus until further notice. Um, so we had Svitolina reaching the quarterfinals in Monterey. And in Lyon, we had Diana Stremska, who had received that wild card after fleeing from Ukraine with her 15-year-old sister. She reached the final in Lyon uh, and she lost out in three tight sets to Zhang Shui in the final. Um, just extraordinary stuff. Uh, Zhang was a breakdown in the decider, actually, uh, and a brilliant win for her. That's her third career title. Um, but the story undoubtedly is Diana Stremska, who I've seen doing a lot of media interviews this week. She was on um, the uh, No Challenges Remaining podcast. I saw her on uh, British Morning Television this week. You know, she's she's using her status and her her platform to to speak out and raise awareness. And and it's all, you know, it was impossible not to be moved by what she was doing um, in Lyon this week. It was uh, incredibly upsetting at times, but invariably moving. Um, and I was trying to find, find the right language to, to describe what, what she did. Um, and, you know, you sort of instantly reach for things like unbelievable and extraordinary and can't get my head around it. But actually, actually, I find it really, really believable, because if we know anything about sport um, and how it how it functions in the world and how sports people function, it's that very often when players are playing for something more than themselves, it does focus on the focus, the mind and make something extraordinary possible I think it was just as likely that she would have you know lost extremely one-sidedly in the first round but what was least likely what was less likely than her having this extraordinary week and playing brilliant tennis was her just sort of having a middle of the road or mediocre week Uh, that would have been in many ways more unbelievable it doesn't really surprise me that in extraordinary circumstances she has done something quite extraordinary so I I, I, I'm trying not to reach for the sort of lazy, oh my God, it's unbelievable, I can't get my head around it, because I think actually I really can. And I'm not saying in her shoes I'd have been able to play, you know, um, WTA final level tennis, but I, I do get it. I do get it. It's brilliant, but but I understand it. Yeah, but both she and Svitolina dug into themselves and tapped in to this inc- incredible emotion that they were feeling. And... Um, I really felt for them I'm trying to make sense of it all. I feel for everybody in this situation, of course, but uh, they are our yardsticks, aren't they? Because they're tennis players and we cover this sport. But I've never seen Elena Svitolina look like that at the end of a tennis match. The look on her face, the the sense of pride and urgency and desperation to to do something positive for her country and to be able to tell everybody how wonderful she thinks her country is and how much it means to her and how heartbroken she is at at what's going on over there. Both players wrapping themselves in the yellow and light blue flag of Ukraine at the end of every single match. And and it was extremely moving. And, And their opponents as well, I felt all the way through their runs were, had words for them at the end. And they were sharing in it. They were struggling with it, I suppose, in 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 their own way, because there there has been such solidarity. I think at these tournaments, uh, and um, yeah, Yastremska, given the journey she'd made over that two day period to get to Lyon and and perform like that. I mean, she won two of those matches deep in the third set, three hours plus and two and a half hours just to get to the final. Then it was six four in the third at the end. Um, it would be it, the the hard thing is that she did all that 
and whether she'd won or lost, there's no happy ending to this. This is this is the world has changed so much now in the last two weeks, and um, yeah, I, I I hope that they are going to be able to continue playing tennis and 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 having it help them channel and and maybe distract them a little bit or, or at least find ways to, to, to cope with what is such a, a difficult situation a little more easily. And I believe she she's received a wild card, hasn't she, to, to India Wells. There was the announcement today that uh, a withdrawal has meant that Naomi Osaka gets in by direct entry. So, I mean, I'm sure Yastrzemska would have received a wild card anyway, um, but that that frees up an extra wild card and she's, you know, first name on the list, I suppose, um, to receive that wild card. And I'm sure she'll she'll receive them wherever she needs until her ranking, you know, gets up to a place where she no longer no longer requires them. Um so that was uh, WTA Hologic WTA event uh, in Lyon. We also had um on the men's side of things, uh, Davis Cup ties. We've had twelve teams qualifying for September's group stages um, and then it will be at September's group stages when the uh, finalists are confirmed at the Davis Cup finals. Uh, I hope that is very clear for everybody. (laughs) Um, So who have we had uh, qualifying this weekend? Of course, Croatia, the runners-up last year, Great Britain and Serbia, the wildcards, they've all already qualified for the 2022 Davis Cup finals. Uh, Russia are now suspended from the competition, uh, from all international team competitions. Um, And uh, the Davis Cup committee will meet during the week, commencing March the 7th, that's this week, to make a decision on the finals lineup and other related matters. Uh, So that's quite a, a vague a vague situation. Uh, any notable results um, in particular, Matt, from those those twelve teams that have qualified for the group stages? Well, we had easy wins, three 0 wins for the USA over Colombia, France over Ecuador, Argentina over Czech Republic, and Netherlands over Canada. I would say that result is notable. Oh, was that my man Greeks poor? It was your man Greeks poor, <laughs> but it was not your man Shapovalov and not your man Ojealiasim. Hence, why Canada lost. But I, you know, a team needs to replace the Russian Tennis Federation in this competition and it wouldn't surprise me if it's Canada because they're the they're the highest ranked losing team from this weekend's ties um it's pure speculation I have no idea but a team need, does need to replace the Russian Tennis Federation so it could be Canada that's one to look out for could be Ukraine that would be I don't know just mm. just throwing that out mm. there um, Spain over Romania. Carlos Alcaraz made his debut at last in the in the Davis Cup, having missed out just having got COVID before the finals last year. A Korea will be there. Sun Wu Kwon helped them beat Austria. Kazakhstan beat Norway. That was a good tie with Bublik beating Kasper Ruud in the in the crucial match there, overturning a zero three head to head previously. Um, and then you had Germany beating Brazil as well, 3-1. And then you had four ties that were great that went to the, the deciding match. Uh, we had Belgium over Finland. Uh, David Goffin been in terrible form recently. Only won three of his last 16 matches, managed to get a couple of wins. Every time you say David Goffin, which admittedly is is not very often, <laughs> I go, oh, God, yeah, David Goffin exists in the world. Which is unfair, really, isn't it? But um, yeah, mm. he, he hasn't been that relevant to... recently. No, that's that's what I'm trying to yeah. say. Well, he's been in such bad form, but he he does like Davis Cup. He's got an incredible Davis Cup record, and and he beat Rusevori there in in an important match. Um, great scenes in Sydney, Australia beating Hungary. Couple of wins for Alex Dumanor on on his favourite court, the Ken Rosewell Arena, with Ken Rosewell in the stadium, and then Tanasi Kokanakis getting getting the crucial point for Australia in in the final match that's... there. That's pretty big, isn't it? That they've all flown back to Australia to play that tie, and now they'll be they'll be flying on to Indian Wells. I mean, that's quite a commitment for for a country that is, you know, very vocally opposed to the new format of Davis Cup. That is, 
that's proper commitment from those players. Yeah, no, it really is. And I mean, this is currently Davis Cup in its most pure form. You know, these are 12 home and away ties, you know, doubles in the middle, reverse singles. OK, it's not five sets, but this is as close as, as you get to the old format. And I and I do think some of the players, De Manor certainly being one of them, Kokonakis, like the chance to to compete in that environment, in that atmosphere. Um, just a couple of other notable ones. You had Sweden beating Japan in in a final match, and they did that without Mikel Ima. Um, Elias won all three of his matches, two singles and doubles, so that was really impressive from him. And then the final one was Italy beating Slovakia. This was very close to being a shock. This went to to a final rubber, an Italian team with Sinner, Mozzetti, Sonigo, and yet Slovakia took them right to the end. And just the scenes at the end were pure Davis Cup. Mozzetti drafted in for the final match, hit three backhand winners to win it, was lying on the ground. His whole team rushed over and jumped on him. And then across the net, you had Norbert Gombos, inconsolable, just distraught head in hands, crying into his towel. You know, it was the sort of contrast, elation and despair. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it was a day, you know, Italian tennis kind of dreamed of, I think. You know, Sinner and Mazzetti winning winning their singles matches. They'll be hoping for much more of that in the future. And then Berrettini joined the team um, via FaceTime for the press conference at the end, which was which was quite a nice moment as well. So, yeah, that was that was the Davis Cup this week. Hang on, he didn't he didn't play for them, but he got in on the glory via FaceTime. He did, yeah. A bit like <laughs> That's uh, another way of looking at it. <laughs> it's a bit like how he didn't play for the Italian team at the Euros and then was on the bus celebrating with them round round Italy. Yes. <laughs> Are you saying he's the John Terry in full kit of the Italian Davis Cup team. I mean, he did reach the Wimbledon final, but I did think. How many appearances do you need in the, in the Premier League to get a, a winner's medal? Is it five? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It just kind of feels all right, though, with it being Matteo, doesn't I know. it? Because he's just such yeah. a lovely chap. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's getting away with it, isn't he? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. 
That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Right then, away from the court, things have been happening in the tennis world this week. We're going to take we're going to take a foray, folks, to Coaching Corner. Come and join me in Coaching Corner. Uh, we've got one big split and one big reunion. And I mean big, folks. We'll start with the split. Um, it's actually sort of backdated tennis news, this, because we've had the announcement that Novak Djokovic uh, is split from his longtime coach, Marion Vider. Um, we understand, or we've been been told directly, that this decision was made after the ATP finals last year, but only just been announced, um, which does make sense because um, as far as we could tell, Vider wasn't uh, with Djokovic on his um, ill-fated trip to to Australia this this year. Obviously, Goran Ivanovic was was very prominent in that trip, but no sign of Vider. Um, he's never won a Grand Slam title without Marion Vider. They did split once before. Um, that was in 2017, but Vider came back the following year. Um, they've both obviously said you know, incredibly warm things um, about one another. You know, I've I've interviewed Marion Vida a couple of times and Daniela Hantikova that I work with um, on Prime Video a lot is very, very close to him. They're, they're both Slovakian um, and it's it's an incredibly paternal relationship they have. It goes it goes well beyond coaching. Um, so this must have been a really, really wrenching decision. However, it, however, it came about um, I don't know. It's um, I suppose it's not a shock because it has happened once before. I remember being tremendously shocked by it in 20, 2017, really, really shocked by that. So I suppose that takes the sting out of this a bit. But I still am I still am surprised um, because, you know, he so clearly missed him the last time that they split. I know that that lull is a little bit of chicken and egg. That lull in 2017 coincided with other things you know, going on in Djokovic's world as well, you know, the elbow problem, the the lack of motivation. But still, he's never won a Grand Slam without Marion Vida. There was a slump the last time that they were apart. So I do find this really, really surprising. Yeah, I do as well. Um, I remember exactly where I was in 2017 when I read that news that that they'd split. It was really shocking at the time. And I think Djokovic actually used that word, didn't he? He called it shock therapy when he ditched Vida and changed his team completely. And it at the time, it was kind of like, what are you doing? Like, is this is this the solution? And of course, a year later, they were back together. Um, it doesn't doesn't feel like that quite to me. I think partly because Djokovic has already got Granny Vanisovic in place already. You know, Vida's role very, very significant, but wasn't quite the same as it had been in the past, in the last couple of years. He hadn't been travelling to every tournament. Goran is there. Djokovic does have some stability there. You know, the rest of his team is staying. But, you know, this is a pretty bizarre stage of Djokovic's career, of his life. Um, you know, it's kind of, there's a lot of turmoil at the moment around Djokovic. And he's he's losing the guy who who has been by his side the last 15 years it's it's a significant person to lose at a significant time there were some reports in in the Slovakian media that Vida felt that Djokovic shouldn't have played the Olympics last year you know he, he felt that that drained him physically mentally and he thought the focus should be on the US Open um, so as as we know this this is a decision that's been made at the end of last year. I think also, even at the end of last year, it wasn't clear how much Djokovic would be able to play while he's unvaccinated. And I think, you know, if you're a coach, Marion Vida, do you want to be coaching someone who can't play all the time? And, you know, and, and he's also spoken about wanting to spend a bit more time with his family as well, Vida. So there's lots of things going on, but it just adds to all the intrigue surrounding Djokovic at the moment because... Djokovic and Vida has been one of the great partnerships and and we're not going to have it going forward. So I'm I'm very, very intrigued when we do see Djokovic back on the court, what sort of impact this makes. Mm, we do. Also in um, Djokovic developments this week, we've had um, the change of uh, vaccine uh, pass restrictions in France uh, or the the 
announcement that they will be changing in, in uh, later on this month. Uh, so it seems like Djokovic uh, will be clear to play Monte Carlo and, and Roland Garros as well, at the very least on the clay. Um, we also had it reported, um, I read it via Ven- Ben Rothenberg, that um, that Djokovic has lost his, his Peugeot sponsorship, um, which was one of his one of his biggest sponsorships i believe so yeah it it's a time of it's a time of turmoil david for djokovic it's a time of significant change and and i i suppose the thing that i'm not sure in my mind yet is how much it will affect him versus how much it clearly affected him 5 years ago because it if you think back he ended up going through a succession of coaches from the the weird stuff with Pepe Imaz to uh, to Andre Agassi you, you call, you're calling him a coach David <laughs> he was a he was a, a person that was there that's all I <laughs> he know he was a person still is a person um, I think. that is that's the best thing that we can say about Pepe Imaz I mean he he had his brothers with him for a while he had uh, Andre Andre Agassi was his coach. And do you remember, do you remember when you spoke to Goran Ivanisevic around that time, how kind of amazed and disgusted he was at the appointment of Andreasian? Yeah, he, he, he found that confusing, yeah. And, uh, he, there was a really, definitely a look about him of, why didn't my phone ring? <laughs> yes, and uh, subsequently, of course, it did. There was Mario Ancic, there was um, Radek Stepanek. There were, you know, there oh, were yeah, all, he really mm, did. I'm surprised your phone didn't ring, David. <laughs> all, all the phones was, were ringing. I'd I was looking at it. Uh, but I do feel that five years on, I do think he's different now to what he was then. I think he's gone through his midlife crisis as a tennis player and, and there's no question marks over his desire now. And in fact, I think that the whole situation with the vaccine probably sharpens his desire and, and determination to just prove everybody wrong and stuff it up everybody I think that that's what he's going to be like where I think he the big test is going to be is he doesn't have anybody I don't think now without Vida who's going to stand up to him and say no or who's going to say that's the wrong thing to do I I think that Goran is capable of doing that I don't think Goran is going to shy away from Djokovic but I think the difference is he, he agrees with him most of the time and I think Goran's still got a a player's mindset to some degree and he's as outraged at the same things that Djokovic is outraged by so I don't think you're going to get this paternal impact that Vida had and this Goran's more like a big brother who's just going to back him up and um, and they're going to have the siege mentality to just run through it all together but I'm not sure that, that Djokovic could can do without that person who's occasionally just going to not go along with him. But you know, time will tell. I still think I still think Djokovic is so good and so much better than the vast majority that I don't think it'll make a huge amount of difference this time. Mm, that's a really interesting point because a lot of people would suggest that a lot of his uh, recent woes or sticky situations have been either caused or compounded by the fact that he exists in a bit of an echo chamber. So, you know, that's an interesting one, isn't it? That the removal of Vida, however it's come about, sort of makes that echoey chamber that that bit more echoey, I suppose. Um, that, that's why you come here for your analysis, isn't it? <laughs> bit more echoey, folks. How echoey is that echo echo chamber? Um, Right then, we're we're going to stay a while longer in Coaching Corner, folks, because I'm enjoying it. And uh, because I don't think we've even got on to the biggest item of coaching news this week. And that is that Andy Murray and Ivan Lendl are getting the band back together one more time. I was going to say one last time there, but who on earth knows with <laughs> these two? Um, it, it, surprise levels, folks, when you heard this news. Where, where were they on the scale? Oh, right up there. I'd, more surprised than last time, I, I would say. Um, and I mean, I was surprised last time. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like I was pr- predicting that would happen. But I thought, I remember thinking at the time, that's a good, that's a really good idea. This one was more, was just a, a proper shock to me. But also, now I think about it, also a good idea. I just feel like Ivan Lendl is the man that 
can get through to Andy Murray at a level that nobody else has ever managed before. And he simplifies his game and distills it into what we were talking about the other week uh, in in talking about Ash Barty, the, the point construction in order to win points. He just has formulas, does Lendl, when he's working with Andy Murray, that Murray buys into follows and off he goes and I, and I do think we've had we've it's been an incredible achievement from Andy Murray the last two years to get back out on tour to play the level that he has he's won some matches he's lost some he's still going but I think if you're going to rinse out the very last bits of potential that he has in that body of his and make them relevant on the tour again and in big tournaments I would back Ivan Lendl to be the one to help him do that above anybody yeah I mean, I was extremely excited by this news, I think, first and foremost, because, yeah, as David says, Marion Lendl, it works. It worked to get him to be a Grand Slam champion. It worked to get him to world number one. And now, you know, I have faith that it will work for whatever Murray is trying to achieve now as a tennis player at, at this stage in his career. But I was extremely surprised. You know, the only thing that wasn't surprising is we know Murray's been looking for a coach. You know, so that was, you know, we were expecting some sort of coaching announcement from Murray. But that it would be Lendl is really surprising to me, not least because I think a lot about Murray's press conference at the 2019 Australian Open. Not the press conference, not the one before the tournament where he announced that it was you know, he was likely to be retiring, but the one actually after he'd played Bautista Agu, when, when he was asked whether he had any regrets and he he didn't mention Lendl, but he gave an answer that I think a lot of people have interpreted as being about Lendl in terms of pushing it too hard and not saying no at times and stretching himself beyond his limits and I think a lot of people felt that that's what happened at the end of 2016, the start of 2017, um, when he was obviously with Lendl. And, you know, look, it worked. It brought him amazing success in the short term, but did it sort of damage him in the long term? So I I sort of thought maybe he wouldn't go back to Lendl. Not that he maybe blamed Lendl for that. Um, you know, I think he sort of took ownership and he said, I needed myself to sort of say no a bit more. But I... I just thought maybe that that relationship had gone in terms of Lendl being his coach. But I imagine they've had a conversation about scheduling. And if that's something that, you know, is something that they can overcome together, then it's worth overcoming that because what Lendl brings to Murray is is an extra dimension. And Murray's, all of Murray's greatest successes, I would say, bar the Davis Cup run, um, have all come with Lendl there by his side in his coaching corner. So, gosh, it makes me excited for for the grass court season, which is, I think, when we're going to see that partnership again for the first time. Yeah, they they said they're going to do um, a big uh, training block post post Miami. Um, obviously, we've already had the announcement that that Murray's skipping the the clay court season to focus on the grass. So. Um, it's like the old days, Murray and Lendl doing a training block in Miami. Uh, let's all live in the past where it was a better, safer place. Um, um, yeah, that's. I mean, it's fascinating. I, I share all of your feelings about it, both of you. Um, I'm intrigued and fascinated and excited. So uh, thank you, Andy Murray and Ivan Lendl for providing uh, that uh, interesting bit of tennis news. Um a few other bits and bobs to mop up for you from the week. Ash Barty, the world number one, has pulled out of both Indian Wells and Miami. She says, um, doesn't sound like any specific injury or not one she's willing to disclose, but she says, unfortunately, my body has not recovered the way I'd hoped after the Australian Open. Says she hopes to play uh, Billie Jean King Cup in Australia in April. Um, Danielle Collins, of course, the other Australian Open finalist, she's also out of Indian Wells. Um, my response to that statement from Ash Barty is she's just so damn sensible, isn't she? She just makes all the right sensible grown-up decisions. You know, it sounds like there's nothing specifically wrong and plenty of other players in her shoes would just go ahead and play. But she just 
knows her body, knows what works. and Knows her mind as well, Catherine, because yeah. I reckon she's realised after that marathon of a year she's just had on the road that she she has to prioritise. And the only way she can prioritise and be happy is by building in a couple of massive blocks in Australia. And she's sacrificing this part of the year, I would guess, for the Roland Garros, Wimbledon, US Open priorities. Maybe she's just so practicing with sensible. US Open balls, like for <laughs> for a whole month. Yes. It's imp- it, there's no point, Matt, because it's impossible for her to win the US Open uh, with those balls. Um, Dominic Team, folks, is also out of Indian Wells and Miami. Um, he says he prefers to restart his season on clay. Also now, and yeah, I'm worried though. I'm worried, I'm about, worried about Dominic Team. I mean, You're not worried, David? He said you the think wrist just... is good, didn't he? He said the hand's good. I mean, there's every reason to be worried. I, I understand. But I also think that I I think he will be able to make a comeback without any medical knowledge of his situation other than what he's telling us. But I think it doesn't alarm me massively. I think there is sense to trying to get on his most natural service, even if he necessarily hasn't had the best result on it. Uh, I think if he started at slightly smaller tournaments in April and just got somewhere, built it up slowly, I think there's a chance in that swing to build it up. If you play Indian Wells, you ain't building up anything. You're just pitched straight in against proper players, toe-to-toe from the baseline. I, I He's think a former champion, smart. David. I know, it's but not he's like he, it's not off, like he doesn't. He? Well, you, you, well you're yeah, but this is a guy that of... loves playing tennis. He's a week in, week out tennis guy, and he's basically saying, "My wrist isn't ready. I can't do that yet." He's it's saying, been a long he's not time. Saying that. He's just saying it is ready, but I don't want to start here. Really, but it was it, but it wasn't ready two weeks ago on clay. I don't yeah. know. It, like I, I just, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't like these. I don't like this stuttering. The stutteringness of this uh, of this comeback. There's been a Andy Murray 2017 feel to team this year to me in terms of. Do you remember Murray went to New York, pulled out at the last minute, started 2018. He went all the way to Australia, pulled out at the last minute. Team was in South America, ready to play, pulled out at the last minute. He's been training, I believe, in Miami uh, recently, and he's and he's just pulled out. It's I I really. You know, I really, really hope that you're right, David, and he and he is hoping to just build up more gently and, and Indian Wells isn't the place. And I have seen videos of him hitting and he and he looks to be hitting fine, you know, but he is also wearing support on the wrist. And would he be wearing support if it wasn't you know, great? And it's not the plan. It, it, yeah. No, it, it doesn't sound like yeah. it. Well, look, David is your place to go for Dominic team optimism, frankly, optimism of any <laughs> variety. Go on, Dominic. Uh, at, You'll be all right. At David Law Tennis, if you're in need of some, <laughs> some optimism at the moment, folks. Um, we have had a, an update um, on the health of Roger Federer. Feder- I've forgotten how to pronounce his name. It's been that long since he plays tennis. Uh, we've had an update on the health of Roger Federer. Um, he uh, spoke to Swiss broadcaster SRF. Um, when he attended a Women's World Cup ski race in Lenzerheide. Uh, everyone happy with that pronunciation? Yep, okay. Not qualified uh, to comment. Federer has a home there. Um, he said he hopes to make a comeback in late summer slash early autumn, um, which sounds like Labour Cup to me. Um, trying to crawl inside Federer's mind at the moment. Um, he said he had a very good MRI a few weeks ago, which left him feeling positive. He said, I'm doing well, much better. For two months, I was on crutches. It was long and I had to start from scratch, but it was the right thing to do. The knee wasn't doing well after Wimbledon. Now I'm slowly getting to a phase where I can think about a comeback. Um, what do we think here? He's He's watching everything that Rafael Nadal is doing, isn't he? And thinking, yep, that could be me. He was on crutches. I was on crutches. I can do that. What do you think? Optimism, David? Not very optimistic. I, I think he's going to play the Labour Cup, is what I think. I think and I think and wave? 
may well be. Yeah, probably if I was gonna if I was gonna pin my expectations to it, then that would be it. Um, because I think he can play that in a manner of speaking, and it is his event, and he it's in London. It's all those things. He can he can get a hell a heck of a send off, and it, and he, he can probably pull that off. And it's it's around about the right time, isn't it? It's September. Um, by the way, people have been sending me. Uh, illustrations of the prices of tickets at the Labour Cup and they are eye-watering uh but anyway I'm sure what, what, it'll sort, sell of, out. what sort of prices are we talking well at least 150 pounds is what I saw um for for for, for the nosebleeds at the yeah, I mean I'm not exactly I've just had a quick look and they're sort of send, selling multi-session tickets but um anyway a, a number of people have written into us and said you know mention the fact that the prices are incredible incredibly high um but I, I just think that that is a a likely event for him to be seen at both uh even if it's just to say hello um because he's not fit enough to play but i think he probably could get share half a court with rafael nadal and it'd be an incredible moment and all the rest of it but i don't i don't see him making a professional comeback not not a realistic one I doubt the tickets are now going to come down in price after you have told everybody that it's going to be their last opportunity (laughs) to watch Roger Federer play tennis. Uh, Any optimism, Matt, on the basis of what Federer has been saying there? Tiny bit, you know. A a good MRI is better than a bad MRI. Um, (laughs) This was the same week. Okay. This was the same week. Severin Luti also gave some comments. You know, as that were less that were less positive. Yeah, I thought. they were less positive. Yeah. He was saying he was saying Federer isn't uh, isn't running yet. Um, yeah, he said, look, if you if you're thinking about Wimbledon, then forget it. Yeah, um, I think I, I think Federer doesn't know. To be honest, at the moment, I think I think he would love to do more than the Labour Cup, and I think if the next few months do go well then he might but at the moment seeing him at the Labour Cup feels like the most likely scenario for a comeback and whether whether that's it or whether there's more after that I I honestly think depends on how the next few months go because it sounds like there's a lot more rehabilitation that needs to happen Mm. yeah I I can update you by the way Uh, they're only selling multi-session tickets at the moment starting at 185 pounds uh, to 2,420, uh, but those are to get you five individual tickets. Uh, single session tickets are yet to go on sale, but uh, yes, if you want if you want one now, you're going to be parting with 185 pounds minimum. Okay, but that could get you to five days of tennis. Mm, yeah, I suppose Apparently. that you know. Okay, all right. We'll we'll watch this space. Although I'm, I'm clicking through and it's now only offering me cheapest a thousand pounds. Right. Okay. <laughs> Don't accidentally buy them, David. I've done that before. Um, last couple of bits of news for you from the week. Serena Williams uh, did an interview um, on CNN. Uh, she talked about she talked about a number of things. She's been at Paris Fashion Week this week, hasn't she, Serena? Looking completely fabulous. Um, but she was asked about the incident involving Alexander Zverev in Acapulco and his um, assault on the umpire's chair. Um, And she was asked about whether there was a double standard in in the way the tennis world and the ATP has responded to that. And she said, there is absolutely a double standard. I would probably be in jail if I did that, like literally no joke. Um, And... David, you've asked the ATP for an update on whether he would face further disciplinary action uh, for his behaviour in Acapulco and a time frame for it because, of course, he received the maximum in-tournament fine, uh, I think $40,000. Uh, but then, of course, there's the the opportunity for the ATP to infer- impose um, uh, further punis- punishments of, on him. We heard at the time that they were considering it Um they're still considering it. Is that yeah. where we are? That's that's but right. And he, the reason, he's in Indian Wells, ready well, and raring to go. It's hard is to because you know the tournament is so so close to being upon us that well, 
uh, surely they're going to make that decision before that tournament gets underway. I, it was my expectation. Um, I have been told that uh, when they make a determination from the review that is ongoing, it will be communicated to us. But my my expectation and my understanding is that that decision will be made one way or another, whatever it is, before Indian Wells. So um, okay. I, I think we're going to know something fairly soon is my expectation anyway. But, I mean, it was already jarring to see Zverev playing Davis Cup this week. Mm. You know, I know it's an ITF event rather than an ATP event, but, you know, that just shows, you know, that's just an example of tennis's structure there being a bit flawed. You know, seeing him play Davis Cup with this hanging over him felt unbelievable to me and and wrong. And and, and look, he he was booed and he was... He said that he was disrespected by the crowd and, look... It was a pretty hostile environment in Rio. They were they were sort of booing Kevin Kravitz as well. I think one of the nicest men in the world. I don't think necessarily it was targeted at Zverev, but you know it was it was an uncomfortable uncomfortable situation to see him playing so soon after the Acapulco incident. I felt. Yeah, there's um, yeah the ATP needs a sort of Zverev depart Zverev investigations department. Um, to to devote appropriate resources, I think, in that direction. Um, last last bit of bit of bomb news, I'm afraid to to end on. Um, former top twenty player Vivara Lepchenko has been given a four year doping ban. She tested positive for banned stimulant during the Hungarian Open last July. Um, went on after that to appear in three tournaments including winning uh, the title at an event in Charleston South Carolina which offered $115,000 in total prize money before then being provisionally suspended in August uh, she says she intends to appeal to the court of arbitration for sport this was her second doping violation um, but the ITF said she's being penalised as if it were the first because it was determined that she was not at fault in the other case um, which involved testing positive uh, in 2016 for meldonium, the heart medication that led to Sharapova's doping ban, of course. In this case, they said the tribunal found the evidence provided by the player to be vague to the point of non-existent, as Lipchenko failed to prove that her use of the banned substance was unintentional. Um, not much to say on that, really. Shame. Uh, glad glad the cheats are being caught. Um that's it for another packed week of tennis news. We obviously have Indian Wells upcoming. It's one of those tournaments that sort of, it's quite difficult to say precisely when it starts, but the players are there. It starts this week. I will be presenting live coverage on Prime Video in the UK from Thursday. Um, so do tune in for that if you're in the UK. Um yeah, my we bag will. is not yet packed. I'm almost, I'm almost anxious to actually pack the suitcase because it could end up being a jinx. Um, but oh, at some point bet- between now and my flight in 22 hours' time, I will pack. Um, so that's Indian Wells this week. Barbara Krachikova is the top seed at Indian Wells. Mm. Wow. And are, are Cameron Norrie and Paola Balossa the shortest reigning defending champions of a tournament in history. I mean, it was like we just had Indian Wells, didn't we? And you can't ask that. Back. You can't ask us that, Matt. I'm asking the listeners. It's for it's for us to ask you. I don't know. I want other people to find that out okay. for me. Let us know, folks. Let us know. Um we have a weekly mascot this week. It is Dexter, a five month old French bulldog owned by Scott and his family and uh he's gorgeous of course he's got of course he's got those contrast uh, little eyebrows and the photo i'm looking at of him here he's got a tennis ball in his mouth and we do we do appreciate that attention to detail dexter and scott we really do he is He's gorgeous. His colouring is absolutely lovely. Um, So thank you, Dexter, for being our mascot. Uh, We all have our mascots. David's got Darwin. Matt's got Gerald. And I've got a victorious Carter because I uh, picked Leila Fernandez uh, this week in Monterey. Matt picked Camilla Osorio. So, you know agro drama all of it uh billy jean is with my brother at the moment she's still though sponsored by billy jean king and alana kloss 
Our executive producers are Chris Albert Lee and fellow top bloke Kyle Weingartner. And Matt, we have our shout outs. We have Kim Ferguson in Glasgow. Fergie. Oh, related, I wonder, to the great Sir Alex. Yeah, there is on, only only one Ferguson family in the world <laughs> and in Scotland, I've heard. Glasgow. Uh, or, or Sarah Ferguson. Less Another likely, Fergie. Also, small, small chance. Mm. Anyway, thank you so much for being one of our friends. <laughs> Well, Kim, in, in in her little, tell us anything about yourself. So she's a tennis fan, which I would have thought went without saying, Kim. Um, but also a corgi owner. Oh, lovely. Well, maybe she is a member of the Ferguson family with the royal royal connection. They're the official official mm. royal dog, aren't they? Oh, lovely. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. We have Michael Toth who says his surname is pronounced like both, so I know I'm saying that right, and he is an American living in Putney and a member at Putney Lawn Tennis Club. Oh, hello, Michael. Michael, Mike? Michael. Michael Toth. Michael. Um, uh, I... um... I once went to a trial day at Putney Tennis Club, Michael, uh, and I walked out in 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 protest halfway <laughs> through. Um, but it what was a lovely club. Um, I was sort of my my ability to socialise was sort of on trial. I was made to wear a name tag, uh, and I was being questioned about how enthusiastic I was to attend barbecues. Um, and Ooh, that uh, she wasn't very enthusiastic. Look, I love a barbecue, but I didn't. I didn't want that to be on that to be the basis on which I was being put on trial. So we went to the Putney. Uh, it was a lovely, instead. lovely tennis club, though. So yeah, thank you, Michael. And we have Paula Rory in Aberdeen. How are we spelling Rory? Well, Paula says a different spelling to Catherine's godson. R O R I E. This one. That's- Fantastic oh, attention right. to detail from the show, that. Isn't it? Just... I love it. Thank I'd you. It's a great grand- name, Paula Rory. Rory. <laughs> yes, I saw him yesterday. Um, uh, he treated me like his waitress, so which I think is an expression of love. Um, thank you, Paula. That's a great name. I love it. Uh, thank you to all the friends of the pod. Uh, if you want to become a friend of the pod, you can do so via the link in our show notes. You can sign up for the newsletter. I don't know why you wouldn't have done that already, but if you haven't, then uh, you can do that. Uh, leave us an Apple podcast review, do all the stuff. And we'll be back with you next Monday for a weekly tennis podcast when I'll be in Indian Wells, hopefully. Um, pandemics permitting, I'll be in Indian Wells. Uh, and we'll speak to you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.